there are moments in life when something happens out of the blue and it's like getting a kick to the belly. Do you understand what I mean when I say about getting a kick to the belly? I'm talking about your children going in the wrong direction and you just said, I never saw that one coming. I'm talking about your spouse breaking your heart and you wondering what is going on. Everything was going fine. I'm talking about the doctor coming in and saying, sit down. We're going to have to talk about this for a while. I'm talking about when life comes at you hard and difficult and painful. I'm talking about that, that, that kick to the gut that we can experience from time to time. It's always difficult to go through these times, and, then, and as we go through them, how do we get through them better than we were before we went in them? Because my propensity, the way I lean, is to bitterness. I lean to protection. And so God's Word doesn't want us to live a life that's closed off or bitter. God's Word doesn't want us to live a life that's separated from others. God's Word and God Himself wants us to draw to Him even in the most painful circumstances of life. Today we're going to talk about that. Now, I want to kind of clarify something. Last week, I would almost title last week 1A and this week 1B. You know what I mean? Like, they, they really do go together. Now, last week, now, throughout this series, we've learned a couple of things. One is that we are protected in His presence. Right? We're protected in God's presence. That's what we learned the first week. That when you and I go through stuff, remember Psalm uh, 23, 4, for thou art with me. We're protected in God's presence. Um, Week two, last week, we learned that God's purposes are perfect. Yeah, that God's purposes are perfect. And that we need to recognize that his purposes are perfect even when we don't see it. Even when we don't recognize it. Even when what we go through is a tragedy to us. Amen. Today, we're going to look at another aspect of suffering and how to go through it. Because remember, this is a new series that we're going through. It's called Through the Storm. And, and so we're talking about how to deal with suffering, difficulty, pain, and, and heartache. So um, uh, one of the things that, are, that is very important for you to understand today is that there really is two options when you go through suffering. You can choose to get bitter or you can choose to get better. And even if you don't, listen to me, even if you don't want to get better, your husband wants you to. Your kids want you to. Like, even if you go, no, 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 I'm never going to forgive that person. I'm going to close my heart off. Let me tell you something. If your friends want you to get better, no matter where you stand, we need to move to get better. But we don't know how. That's the problem. But I need you to know from the outset that that's what's at stake here. You will either get bitter or you will get better when pain, suffering, and difficulty come into our lives. Now, has anybody here ever met a bitter person that they wanted to be like? No. Have you ever found a bitter person and said, oh, man, I can't wait to cut off my children like you do. Oh, man, I can't wait. 
I cannot wait to treat my husband as crappy as you do. Oh, I can't wait. Oh, my gosh, the way you talk to your wife, woo I can't wait till I upgrade to that. No, nobody does that, right? But let me, tell you what you, let me tell you what's true. Let me tell you what's true about a bitter person. This is true about a bitter person. A bitter person is a person who is open and, and soft-hearted to others who got hurt. Then they started to defend themselves. And then they got hurt again. And they started to defend themselves again. Then they got hurt again. And they started to build up walls. That's the difference. That's what, you can tell, any bitter person that you've ever met, I guarantee you that's their story. People aren't necessarily born, uh, you know, bitter against everyone, although some people seem that way. It's usually because they've had their heart broken. But now here's the thing, God promises that you're going to get your heart broken over and over and over again. What do you do with that? In other words, God does not promise to keep us from heartache. God knows that you and I are going to give our love to someone who's going to break our heart. God knows that we're going to have hopes and dreams that are going to get dashed on the rocks. God knows that we're going to pour our lives into our children and they're going to hurt us. God knows that our our parents are going to disappoint us. God knows that there is pain, suffering, difficulty, woe, heartache, and, and conflict to come. And this will affect all of us. The question isn't whether or not you will go through heartache. The question is, how will you come out on the other side? And the only two options is bitter or better. And so since we all agree that none of us want to mimic or copy the bitter person, then we have to find a better strategy. And and perhaps God's word would have a great deal to say. But I want to say this before. I'm going to open God's word in a second. I want you to know it's going to upset you first. It's almost offensive, really, God's word sometimes. Have you, ever, have you ever read something in God's Word and just said, really? Really? Like, I'm sure that you cannot mean what, you just, what I just read. That cannot, you know, right? Sex is for married people only. Really? I'm so sure. <laughs> yeah, because we read some parts of God's Word, and it's just difficult to accept. This one is it's painful, but I want to share with you the Gospel first, because... When we read this scripture, it's going, to be, it's going to open a powerful, but it, listen to me. The God who had his heart broken is the God who wrote these words. The God who came from heaven to earth giving his life for your sin is the God who penned these words. It's that God. It's Jesus. And so we're going to, see, if God was distant and far away, I don't know if I could believe some of the words that we're going to read but because he came and lived the life that we should have lived, but we did not, and died the death that we deserve to die, but don't have to, I can trust him, even when it's painful. So you're going to stand with me. We're going to read God's word. It's going to be very, very powerful, very succinct. Three very short verses change your life. Well, absolutely, listen to me. Change your marriage. Change your workplace change the way you handle your friendships, change how you handle traffic in the rush hour, change the way you deal with your spouse, change how you talk to your children, change how you address your uh, your parents, change the way you'll be in these Thanksgiving and Christmas parties that you're going to be attending. It'll change every area 
of your life. Now, we're going to look at three short verses, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to read the first verse, and then we're going to pause and let it sink in. Then the second, pause, let it sink in. Third, pause, and let it sink in. Fair enough? Okay, let's read it together. 1 Thessalonians 5:16 through 18. God's Word reads, Rejoice always. Stop. Try it again. Okay. Learn to... Okay, we're going to take these... Try it again. Verse 16. Rejoice always. Stop. Verse 17. Pray continually. Wow. Verse 18. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. Please have a seat. May God bless the hearing and the reading of his word. Okay. This is a profound group of words. God-inspired words that will change your life if you allow them to sink deep in. The first we see is verse 16. It says, rejoice always. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Rejoice always. I mean, really. Does anybody here know what rejoice means? Or always? Right? That's madness. Rejoice always. Okay, right. So I'm driving to an interview. I've been out of work for six months. Fifteen of the last 16 cars decided to cut me off. And there's more traffic than God should legally allow. And so I'm driving. I've left 45 minutes late, and now I'm down to my last... I'm left 45 minutes early, and now I'm down to my last five minutes in the buffer. Rejoice. Really. Right? I tell my kids, it's the 15th time I told my kids to do his homework and then take out the garbage, and he's still playing the little stupid video game that's keeping his attention from doing both those things. And so I find myself getting hotter and hotter and losing my mind more and more, and my child turns to me with a loving look and says, Rejoice always. (laughs) Really. Really. I'm having a discussion with my wife, and I'm certain I'm right about this one, right? And she's not seeing it my way. Rejoice always. (laughs) Really. See, there are certain things that are in the Bible that we have to take a step back and go, God, you must not be paying attention. Because you would not say such crazy things if you were paying attention to my life. My life is not full of always rejoicing. My life is full of difficulty and heartaches and circumstances. People who break promises and, 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 and things that don't work out my way and plans that get dashed on the rocks and hopes and dreams that never get fulfilled and kids who go there. I mean, is your life anything like mine? Because this, yeah, rejoice always, really. But here's the reason why this is such a really difficult verse. It's because when you and I think about joy, when you and I think about rejoicing, when you and I, you and I have attached to that the circumstances of life. We always connect joy to the circumstances. So here's what I mean by that. I'm joyful or not joyful depending on what just happened five minutes ago. And so what we do is we marry rejoicing 
with our circumstances. And you think that God is telling you to be happy in your circumstances because of the way you're doing. But God is saying, no, 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 listen to me. The reason that God can command us, and this is a command. The reason that this is not just like crazy talk. It's because if it was according to your circumstances, then God commanding you to be joyful about a child who's dying of cancer in the hospital, that would be cruel. If God was saying, be joyful about your daughter who just got mugged, that would be cruel. But God, see, the problem is, is that we associate joy with the circumstance, and it says, no, God says there's another way. I want you to associate joy with who I am, God says. That's the difference. Who God is, his character never changes. Our circumstances, however, my goodness, they just go up and down. And so God can say rejoice always because what God is talking about is his unchanging, always loving, never giving up, never stopping, always graceful love. But we're saying, but there's nothing here to be joyful about. Well, God is saying you're looking towards the wrong thing. You're starting from the wrong place. Because joy begins in knowing who God is and trusting him for your present and your future. Here's the problem, though. We don't. We don't. We eclipse the sun with our thumb. What we do is we say, no, 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 no. My happiness, my joy, the this, this celebration that goes on in my, in my soul is completely dependent on my circumstances. God says, don't put it on your circumstances. Put it on your Savior. Don't put it on your situations. Put it on your King. Don't put your joy. See, God can say, you rejoice always because it's in Him that our joy is derived from. So when you're driving in the car, 15 cars have cut you off and you're, you, know, you whittle down your 45-minute buffer into the last five minutes and you're driving, you can rejoice that God knew all of this was going to happen and that he's with you and that this job is not in the employer's hands and it's certainly not in your hands. It's in God's hands. And if he wants to get you there on time, he'll do just fine. Listen to me. Because our rejoicing is not connected to our circumstances. It's connected to our Savior. Rejoice always. And for as long as your joy is connected to your circumstances, a lot of money, a little bit of money. Big bank account, small bank account. Doing good with the fam, doing good with the spouse, not doing good with the spouse. Kids doing great, not doing great. Health doing fantastic, not doing fantastic. Dating going well, not going well. Job, you know, uh, feeling fulfilling, not feeling fulfilling. We can have joy at all circumstances because our joy is predicated on who God is and not what happens. Huge difference. For those of us who are married to the stuff of life, you guys are more prone to be bitter, and we all are, aren't we? Because all you can see is the circumstance. All you can look at is what happened. And in fact, you're sitting here, and if the truth be told, you're a very bitter person. And you're thinking, you simply don't understand what happened. And if I gave you that microphone, you'd be able to come up here and at the end of your sad story, we would all be crying. And we would all say, I understand. 
And then if we're biblical Christians, what other Christians can there be, right? If we're, um, if we're Bible believers, if we're Bible believers, we at that point say, with tears in our eyes, with heaving going on, we say, and yet, rejoice always. Because it's not contingent on our circumstances, it's contingent on who God is and His greatness. Rejoice always, it's a command. Secondly, verse 17, pray continually. Pray continually. Another command. Now, this is interesting. What Bible is saying is that, and I know some of us grew up in um, traditions and things like that, where um, you, you had like a, a rote kind of prayer. You know, you were given certain things, pray these things over and over and over again, and you think that that's praying continuously, and that's, that, that's not what God is going for here in his word. What God is saying is that every circumstance, in every moment, in every issue of life, prayer is an appro- appropriate response. Pray continually, right? Going for the job, you have 15 seconds before you meet your interviewer. God, help me to, be glor- help me to glorify you during this interview. That's an appropriate prayer. Uh, you're struggling with your, have you ever done this? You're struggling with your weight and you're like, just, oh gosh, this is just hard. I'm trying to, it doesn't seem to be able to be working. God, would you help me with this weight issue? I want to be healthier. I want to be stronger. I want to be more uh, vibrant. Your, your, your kids are talking about uh, leaving and joining a rock band and moving to California and, and you're just like, oh my God, no. It's appropriate to pray. God, God, redirect them. Change their mind. Move in a powerful way. Your, your, uh, your relationship wants to go to the next level. You know what? We've been, we've been talking about this. We've been doing this God's way. And I think that we should discuss, you know, going to the next level, maybe considering marriage. That's, it's, a, it's appropriate to pray for that. You're wondering about what college you should sign up for, and there are 50,000 colleges to sign up, and it's appropriate to pray for that. You're wondering what you should cook for your family. It's appropriate to pray for that. You're wondering what you can say to your wife, even though you feel frustrated and and the discussion is not going well. It's appropriate to pray for that. You're wondering about what you should... You get It's appropriate to pray. Pray continuously. That in all moments, it's appropriate to pray. That in all facets of life, it's appropriate to pray. So the first command is rejoice always. The second command here is pray continually. But can I be honest with you? If I, I was going to preach this the way I live it, which is kind of this way, right? If I'm not praying, I don't rejoice. It's just the story of my heart. That if I'm, not, if, I'm not, if I'm not deeply praying, going, God, help me understand this. Give me an insight that I don't have. Because there are painful things that are going on from one day to the next. It's just going faster than I can, I can receive. Could you please help me? I just, it, I could never get to rejoicing if I don't first pray. And so that's the way it works out in my life. But the fact is, whether we pray or don't, God is, God is commanding us to rejoice. Now, here's the thing. We're going to spend the rest of our time on the next verse, but I didn't think you would understand the next verse because it's all one thought. 
16, 17, and 18. So we're gonna, I'm going to look at this, and it's almost offensive. It's almost offensive. Here it is. Give thanks in all circumstances. Stop. Give thanks in all circumstances. Are you kidding? Have you, God, have you seen my life? There was, there, was, there was a guy who invited me into a room when I was a little boy, and then I died. Horrible things happened that day. Horrible, disgusting, terrible things happened that day. Give thanks in all circumstances. Really. There were moments in my marriage where I thought my heart was going to explode. You don't understand what I'm saying when I think my heart is going to explode? Like I think I'm going to have a nervous breakdown or anxiety attack. Like my heart was going to explode. Give thanks in all circumstances. There are moments when all of life changes from one moment to the next. Where you have something here and then it moves to nothing here. And you go, give that, really? God, are you paying attention? Because the fact is, we're still, again, we go back to the rejoicing part. If, we're, if our thoughts are connected to our circumstances, if all that we know is what we experience, then, then we'll never be able to know this deeper, more beautiful way of living, which is focused on how beautiful Jesus is and his wonder. Give thanks in every circumstance. Now, I want, I want to make it clear that this message makes very little sense unless you paid attention to last week's message. Do you remember last week's? Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. And so if we're convinced that God is with us and he's for us and he's carrying us in this and that he's not abandoning us and that he'll make sure that we make our way home with love and joy and freedom, if God is in fact doing this in our lives, then we can trust that we go, okay, God, this is not good, but we know that you can work this out for the good. It's from there that we ask, well, then how should we go through these things? And the answer is right here, with thanksgiving with thanksgiving. That we should have thanks in our heart. That there's every circumstance in life we need to go, God, thank you. And then you go, no, 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 you don't know my story. I understand. I understand. I know what it is to suffer a little bit. Not as much as you, I know. But I know what it's like to suffer. I know what it's like to wish that Poppy wouldn't have walked out the door that day and never came back. I just wish things were different. You know, I didn't smoke my first cigarette till he left. And you know, I didn't stop at cigarettes. Just went to all sorts of nightmares. Put myself in positions that never should have been in. I just, I just wish, I just wish that in certain moments of my life that some of the most painful things that happened to me would not have happened. But these painful things did happen. And now what? Because remember, the series is not through the storm, but the series is after the storm. So what do we do now? After we've experienced something painful, God says, give thanks, and you go, no way, don't want you. Would rather not pay attention. You mean my mother going to the hospital for 
this and, and my parents being addicted, um, them leaving me with crazy people, all this stuff. Yeah, give thanks. If our lives are attached to the circumstances, it's tough. So I want to look at some specific areas of objections that we might have here. Now, what you'll notice is, thank you, Lord, is on every, on, on all these um, uh, papers. And, and, and we have some really, really hard ones here. Thank you, Lord, for daddy leaving. Really? Being homeless. Really? Being abandoned. Family breaking apart. Having a heart attack. But I think that one of the toughest ones here is this one. Being raped. So let's take that one first. How can you possibly say, Edwin, that we should thank God for being raped? Now, here's what I'm not saying. Let me tell you what I'm not saying. What I'm not saying is that rape is ever good. Okay, can we get me clear on that, right? Can we all agree rape is bad all the time, forever, right? It's never good. It's never... Here's it. But again, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me now, right? Walked into the room, got invited there. Terrible things happen, right? Okay. God... God works all things for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. Now I have a choice. I can become bitter or I can become better. God is giving me a formula to become better. If I can get my eyes as painful and as difficult, as tragic and as awful as that was, as abusive and as horrific as that was, if I can put that back on Jesus and say, Jesus, help me here. Help me to get this. What I've discovered is that I've become an exceptionally good counselor for those who've been raped. You know, you know whose benefit that's for? Not me. But wait, you mean, God, you'll allow things, painful, suffering, terrible things to happen in my life to be a blessing for others? God, where do you get off saying that um, I should suffer pain so others should suffer? But Oh, wait. Because Jesus suffered pain so that I could suffer blessing. So, so now, because I, I, you've given me an empathy born out of a terrible place, but you've given me an empathy for others, I'm able to bring healing to others' lives. Give thanks in all circumstances. All right. Father, have a heart attack. We saw have a heart attack here, right? How can we possibly thank God for that? That's a terrible thing. You feel like you're going to die, grip your chest. It's an awful thing. What, what, what? Well, God, wait. If I take as horrible as that is, the human body breaking down is a terrible, awful thing, is it not? Like getting older. Like, you know what? I do everything I can to... Stay in denial that I'm getting older. All right? Am I alone in this? Is anybody else with me? Right? Right? This hairstyle is because my hair is receding. I'm like, okay, push the hair up. Right? 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 Because I cannot be reminded that I am balding. I don't want to be. Right? Right? Gaining weight, what do I do? I go to the gym. I eat less. Right? Because I want to still fit in the pants that, you know, like right now I'm dying. These pants are tight. Right? I'm like, oh dear. 
But I got to fit into them because I fit into them when I was 25. I still got to fit into them because I'm not growing older, right? And all this other stuff, right? But now watch this. So as horrible as the human body breaking down is, and that's all funny, but when you have a heart attack, not so funny, right? So, wait. God, I want you to, I want to thank you that in the end I get a new body. That this is a, that this is a, this is a 19, you know, 84 Ford body, right? And I'm going to get a new model when I get to heaven. And you're reminding me that that new body is coming and more precious. Now, what about, what about if your life gets turned upside down, right? Today, you're, you have a beautiful home to go to. Tomorrow, you're homeless. Just from one day to the next. Wait, wait, God, God, this is terrible. I can't be homeless again. This can't happen again. I just, wait, wait, wait. But there's a new heavens and a new earth that you've promised to give me a home in. And in that new heavens and new earth, so you're, I get it. You're, thank you, God, for reminding me that this place is not my home, that I get to look forward to a home in heaven and that I don't have to be attached to what I see because I'm looking forward to what I don't see. But wait, wait, what about, what about when my wife is rejecting me or my husband is rejecting me, right? What happens when the one that I'm married to is rejected? Wait, 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 God, wait. Thank you, God, for their rejection. I feel like they've been so disrespectful, and I feel like they're being so mean-spirited and fresh. Lord, is this how Jesus felt when the ones that he loved turned on him? Then, Lord, thank you. Thank you that I get to rely on you and identify with Jesus rather than trying to be liked all the time. Thank you for giving me a dependence on you because otherwise, if everything was so perfect with my spouse, with my husband, or with my wife, if everything was so perfect with them, then I might be tempted to worship them. But instead, because it's not going well here, I can come here and ask for your grace and strength and encouragement that you can give to me that which I did not have for that which I did not buy. So, okay, no, wait, what, 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 how can I thank God? What, you know what, Pastor Edwin? My kids, they're using. They're using, and it's a horrible thing. God, I thank you for answering my prayer of bringing my children to their knees because nothing is worse than that. And if anything can bring them to their knees, it'll be active addiction. I wouldn't beg for this. I wouldn't ask for this. But thank you. And thank you for reminding me that my identity is not in whether or not I'm a good parent, but my identity is found in being a good child, being a child of God. Not even a good child, just a child of God. And at the same time, I can go, God, is this how you feel when I'm rebellious against you? Is this how you feel when I'm running and straying away from you and you're saying, Edwin, don't go that way. And I go, yeah, I got a better idea. You don't know. And I have needs that need to be met and I have feelings that need to be satisfied. And I'm going to go in this direction. God, is this how you feel like a child who's hooked on crack? Is that how you feel? And he goes, he goes yep, that's exactly how I feel. I go, oh, God, 
thank you for letting me see that so that I, now I can be convicted about my own sin. So I'm not consumed about my child's sin, but I can be convicted by my own sin. God, I don't want to stray from you. I don't want to, God, I don't want to identify myself as a, as a, a single person or a married person. I don't want to identify myself as heterosexual or homosexual. I don't want to identify myself as a parent or a guardian. I don't want to identify myself with any of these things. I want to identify myself as a child of God being led in your grace and the way you lead and encourage me. I can be strengthened by your spirit. So whether our bodies are failing, whether we didn't get the job, whether our kids are going in the way we wished, whether our spouses are reacting to us the way we wished, whether our church family embraces and encourages or kind of ignores and leaves us out to hang for dry. We can do this because our focus, remember, is not attached to the circumstances of life. They're attached to who God is. What else do we have? Rough childhood. Maybe, maybe, maybe you had a rough childhood. Man, God, I'm so great. God, thank you for my rough childhood. It gave me right now an appreciation, a passion for wanting to raise my kids. In fact, this is true about me. My father left when I was 11. My wife and I had about 10 years of hell on earth as far as a marriage is concerned. Do you understand what I'm saying? Hell on earth? I'm talking about... You know, I'm talking about Hurricane Sandy, 9-11, and like, like just every, like just all sorts of tragedies every day, like all sorts of traumas every day for 10 years. Don't like each other. Can't, I worked 103 hours a week so I wouldn't come home. I literally fell asleep on the Williamsburg Bridge three times driving over it because I didn't want to be home. That kind of terrible. But you know why I didn't leave? Because my dad left. And because my dad left, I didn't want to give that to my kids. And I said, and I gave myself up till the youngest child was 18. And God in his sovereignty, after my kids started to get a little bit older, gave us another child. And I was like, oh, And he did that four times. And so, and so I'm, right, yeah, so it's like, wow, that's a long, that's a, but here's the point, here's the point. I didn't leave, listen to me. I didn't leave because, thank you, God, for the terrible, you know, for him leaving and all that other stuff. I'm able to be a better dad. I'm a more committed father because he wasn't committed at all. See, see, we could do this for everything. I know, I know. Listen, your pain gets amplified in so far as you focus in on that one thing. As long as you put the microscope microscope on the suffering and pain of your life, your pain gets amplified, it gets bigger, it gets more powerful, and it holds its grip onto you so you don't forgive and you don't love. But God is saying, I want you to be free. I don't want you to stay in bitterness. I don't want you to be stuck. So he says, take your eye off the microscope and put it on the telescope and see the bigness of God and see how great he is and how powerful he's working in your life because it's not about the circumstance it's about our savior so today's lesson is a simple one it's not a statement it's a question and it's one that I want you to ask it's also what I want you to do here's what today's lesson is all about Have I thanked God 
for that. You know, God, I'm overweight and I'm struggling with being overweight and I just don't feel pretty inside. Have you thanked God for that? You know, God, I wish I didn't look like this. My sister's so much prettier than me. God, have you thanked God for that? You know, God, Harry's children are behaving so beautifully. My children are going... Have you thanked God for that? You know, I, I wish I would have had the parents that so... Have you thanked God for that? I want you to, this week, and right now, you're thinking of those things that are very painful and difficult. Those things, that moments where it was just traumatic. Maybe you've thought about them as I was speaking to you. I've given you three lines. I want you to write them down. And this week, I want you to thank God for them. Not because they were good. They were awful. They were terrible. They were painful. They should have never happened. But God will even work in those circumstances because our eyes are not on our circumstances. They're on our Savior. Um, Have I thanked God for that? Do you have it in your mind? Is it there? Maybe you wish you were smarter than you were. You know what, God? Thank you for giving me the level of intelligence that I have. Maybe you wish you were at another job. God, thank you for the job that you've given me. Maybe you wish you had another spouse. God, thank you for the spouse. Maybe kids. You you get it. Have I thanked God for that? There was a point where I had to look at myself in the mirror and not do the whole, you're beautiful, you're... No. Listen, I have a brother who looks like a menudo, right? (laughs) I have a sister who's super smart, skipped a grade, right? And so I just can't kid myself and go, oh, look, I'm like a menudo. I'm not a menudo, right? I dress fabulously, but I'm not a menudo, right? (laughs) Um, (laughs) But... But there are circumstances where we just have to kind of just say, you know what, God, thank you for the face. Thank you for the body type. Thank you for the abilities that you've given me. Thank you. Because if I would have looked like my brother, maybe I wouldn't want to be faithful to my wife. Or maybe it would be more difficult to be faithful to my wife. Thank you, God, for giving me that. And you know what? Thank you, God, for giving me the level of intelligence and the giftings that I have. You know how jealous I get? It's easy for me to get jealous of our leaders here. See how organized and incredible Gus is? See how what an amazing evangelist Raymond is? You see how these, the leaders that we have, like just teachers and all that other stuff, I get jealous. And I go, God, thank you. Thank you. You're giving me an opportunity to depend on you like I've never depended on you before. God, thank you for the adoption. Thank you for the family, for my parents leaving me on some doorstep. Thank you for the abandonment. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because my eyes are no longer on my circumstances. They are now on my Savior. And I live for you. And you can work good even in those most painful of circumstances. I want to end with a, um, I think something that illustrates, a story that illustrates what we were talking about. Because what we're talking about is trusting God. We, we can't thank him if we don't trust him. Right? And so um, I had a friend who's, um, who from a little boy, from a little, little boy, he, um, he prayed every day that Bobby would come home. 
please let Papi come home. Please let Papi come home. And he grew up, and as he continued to pray that prayer, he came to a conclusion. See, he didn't have a, 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 a Bible-saturated mother to, to tell him, no, baby, we need to thank God. I know this is painful, but even in this, God will be glorified. We need to thank God for this. He didn't have that. And so he had to come to his own conclusion. And remember, you, can, you, either, you have two choices. You can get bitter or you can get better. And so he chose bitter, but bitter against God. And he said, you know what? God, you're not answering my prayer. You're not bringing Bobby home. You know what? I'm going to live the way I want to live. And that's exactly what he did. And there were, and there were arrests. And there was addiction. And th- there was violence and carnage and theft and brokenness. There was all sorts of horrible things that came up as a result. Then one day this friend of mine, he, you know, he finally, God by his grace, saved him. And took him out of the muck and the mire. And one day he's talking to his, he's talking to his sister, his older sister who had a different father. And as he's talking to her, they just came up, you know, this conversation came up and he said, you know what, I, I was praying. I prayed every day that God would bring my papi home. She said something, and this I'll never forget. She said, you were praying that papi, your papi would come home? Because every day I was praying that he would never come home. Because there were certain things that happened and certain things that took place. And so God, in his beauty and mercy, was protecting that poor little girl. He was protecting her. And so he was able to look back and go, God, thank you. Thank you for protecting her. Thank you for not giving me my prayer. Thank you. And so, listen to me. But some of us, we're not going to have an answer like that, are we? That clear, that understood. You know what happened to that little boy? He eventually got clean, eventually gave his heart to Christ. And because he'd never had a father at home, he grabbed strongly to the father that promised that he would never leave him or forsake him. He grabbed deeply to the father that would be more than a father. Not a bigger version of his earthly father, but a perfect version of his earthly father. And because of that, he wants to introduce others to the Father in heaven. You know who it is? It's Raymond. It's Raymond. God can, can use circumstances and difficulties. And he, here's the thing. God will use those circumstances for his glory. But won't you be joyful while he's doing it? Won't you just choose rejoicing? If God is going to get glory out of the most painful circumstances of our lives, wouldn't it behoove us to just choose joy by saying, I don't know, God, I wouldn't choose, you know, good night, man. I wouldn't choose homelessness again. I wouldn't choose all this stuff again. I wouldn't choose it, man. I wouldn't choose it the first time. But I can thank you for it. Because he's good. Because he never fails. Because he's with us and he's for us. 
because we can rejoice because we're, our focus is not on our circumstances. It's on our Savior. And as we're praying and seeing his work in and through our lives, we can give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you. You ever wonder what God's will for you is? Part of it is simply this. Give thanks. Let me pray for you. Father, as we go through this week and start writing down and giving you thanks, Lord, I pray that you would move in a powerful way, that you would help us to see life through your eyes. Lord, that you would be lifted high, that you would be loved and adored through our lives. Help us, O oh God, to go from bitter to better by thanking you, rejoicing and praying. Help us, O oh God, to believe you more than we believe our feelings, to believe you more than we believe our circumstances, to believe you because you're worth believing. Lord, thank you for being the gracious God that you are, for saving us from our sin and loving us and making even the most terrible moment of life be for your glory. Listen, you stay in prayer. But listen, there are some of you right now who have gone through a real, are going through a real tough time. And it's, you don't know how to thank God in this circumstance. You just, you want to believe, you want to trust God, but it's just really painful. Listen to me. Uh, in a couple of seconds, I'm going to ask you to stand. If you're just struggling with something, that you need to thank God for right now. I need you to, I'm going to ask you in a couple of seconds to stand because we're going to pray for you. So on the count of three, you're going to stand, okay? One, two, three. Stand. Okay. Now those of you, yes, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Now, for those of you who are still seated, I want you to, in an appropriate way, put your hand on their elbow or just somehow connect with them, letting them know that you're with them and that you're praying for them. We're going to pray for each other. We're going to ask God to help us to see with eyes that Jesus has. So I'm going to pray for you. Father, thank you, Lord. I want to start by saying thank you. Thank you for giving us Yourself. Thank You for giving us Your Son on the cross. Thank You for... Thank You for giving us this Scripture that we might know that we are not alone. Lord, that You could be lifted very high, celebrated, worshipped, adored, lifted high. So Father, we bring all of the painful moments of life. We bring all the heartaches, the pain, the suffering, the difficulty, the disappointments, the broken dreams, the, all of those circumstances, we bring it up to you, O oh God, and we say, Lord, thank you for that. Thank you for that. God, we want to thank you. Thank you because it brings us closer to you. Thank you because we're able to see Jesus more clearly. Thank you because we're able to rely on Christ like never before. Father, we'd have never asked for it in, our, in and of ourselves. But since it's happened, oh God, we say thank you. And we ask, oh God, that you strengthen us in the midst of this storm. Strengthen us in the midst of the circumstances. Oh God, be glorified in our lives. 
And we'll thank you for that as we lift up and fame the name of Jesus. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.